Thank you for listening to the audio version of Hollywood vs. Holiness with David O'Gray and Janique Stewart. Please subscribe to the video version of this program on YouTube or Rumble so that you can get more out of our reviews. Hollywood vs. Holiness begins now. Welcome to Hollywood vs. Holiness. I am David O'Gray. And I am Janique Stewart. And on Hollywood versus Holiness, see, this is where we talk about where Hollywood culture and entertainment is filmed. And we look at places where it seems to be compatible with about where we're at as faithful Christians versus areas where we think it looks to be unholy. And the first thing we like to do is talk about what we like this week. What did you like, Jimmy? Well, this week, I kind of liked I will give a caveat. I have not watched that many episodes. I've only seen like one, maybe one and a half. And so far, what I can say is that I do like that there seems to be a focus more on courtship. And the reason why I think that's so important is because courtship is often associated with true romance. Now, when we think about our present day culture, I don't even know if most people really even understand romance anymore. It's almost as if romance has been replaced with a rush and not just a rush in terms of a feeling, but it's romance has been replaced with the rush of lust and romance has been replaced with a rush to the bed and specifically mm -hmm. the bedroom. And so when you think of that in that context, it seems like in our modern day culture, it's all about not getting to know someone. You know, with courtship, it is about taking the time and investing and getting to know that person. Mm -hmm. Today, that's been replaced with getting to know their body and what their body can do for them. Mm -hmm. So to me, that's very sad when we think about, wow, courtship is even a biblical principle. And it's almost as if we've We've completely lost the beauty of that romance and, and pursuing someone and all of that. I think it's very beautiful. Now, as I said, I haven't seen the further episodes, so I don't really know what happens if they violate that and somehow it turns into a lust fest or, or all types of fornication and premarital sex. I don't know if that's going to happen. I <laughs> hope it does not. I will say what I kind of would liken it to. I love the movie Pride and Prejudice. That was okay. so beautiful where it really was, again, about the courtship and the romance and getting to know someone. That was beautiful. So if Bridgerton is like Pride and Prejudice, then I would give it a thumbs up or two thumbs up. But if it goes downhill, then <laughs> I will have to give it thumbs down. So we'll All see right. what happens with it. Yeah, but so we might, have to, yeah. we might have to talk about that later, about what we didn't like. So mm -hmm. yeah, that's interesting. So what do you like? So, um, so, you know, I'm into Korean dramas, right? And I, I know that's weird to see this full grown man that's 195 pounds into <laughs> Korean dramas. But I, why though? What is it about the Korean dramas? I've actually never heard about them. I know K-pop music. K-pop like, music. Yeah. But I've yeah. never heard of the Korean dramas. So and there's some, and there's some intersect as well because you hear a lot of k-pop music in korean dramas and based upon what you said about bridgerton you may like the korean dramas because i think they do courtship really well 
And this one that I'm watching now is called Crash Landing on You. So it tells the story, Janika, these two star-crossed lovers, right? The woman's name is Yoon Siri, and the gentleman's name is um, Ri Yong Hayu. And in Siri, she's this wealthy South Korean industry leader. She has her own business, but also she's an heiress to this like this powerful family. And and then um, then Ryong Hayu, he is he's a, a military leader in in North Korea, right? So he's he's this um, he's an elite captain in this army. And so without giving away too many spoilers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it seems to be Siri and Re, they, they seem to be destined to be together because, because their lives somehow keep intersecting for the past 20 years and, and in these like dramatic ways. But the thing is, like, how can a North Korean, right, and a South Korean ever be together? So that's the tension point in this, like, 16-episode Korean drama. But what I really like about Crash Landing on You is probably what, again, what what I like about all the Korean dramas, like, um, the, the... are the ones that I like, like the women, the lead character always ends up. What I like is the lead female character is always like this um, dramatic woman who's just a little bit crazy and unpredictable, right? And that's my issue in real life, right? That's 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 been my story. And <laughs> <laughs> but but the male character in Crash Landing on You, Unique, he's this guy named you know, like I say, Ri Yong Hayu, but he's one of the most principled characters I've ever seen in any movie. And in that way, he like really inspires me, just his character, just his principles that he sticks to no matter what. But the lengths to which he goes to, to protect this woman who he loves, that's not even his wife yet, that 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 the lens that he goes to protect her is, I think, is a lens that every man should go to just protect his wife from any harm and danger. And so I know this sounds corny, right? But Crash Landing in You has taught me or inspired me to be a better husband. Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> we'll have to have your wife on to tell us about it. Yeah, no, we're not going to tell her that part. I'm just going to act like I'm a better husband, but she's not really going to know why. And so, <laughs> hey, that's good. Now, see, that is a good secret. Sometimes people talk about secrets in marriage, and that's a good one where it, you're using this to edify your marriage and to love your wife better. So that's wonderful. Yeah. So Wait, what, what have you had? Oh, it's called Crash Landing on You. Wow. Okay. And the people can find this where? On which streaming platform? Yeah, I don't know everywhere, but I definitely know it's on the Netflix, which I know we may talk about later. I know some people don't like for whatever reasons. But I think there's some good things on there like this show that I've liked. And so it it may be redeemable in some ways. This is a really good, wholesome show. Okay. Very good. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I so, guess I'll check it out. So what haven't you liked 
lately? Well, um, I would probably start with, I've not been a fan of what's been going on with the whole transgender movement as a whole, especially mm. when it comes to children. Okay. It is one thing if an adult wants to choose to identify as transgender or they come into alignment with the transgender ideology, but it's on a whole different level when we see children who identify or who are experiencing gender dysphoria or gender confusion. And then we have adults affirming their confusion. I think that's very dangerous. I think it's also very irresponsible to say the least. And an example of that would be what happened recently with Dwayne Wade, his son, Zion now identifies as Zaya. And hmm. there is an interview that has been going viral with Michelle Obama and this young man who clearly in the video you can see has makeup on and is wearing a dress. Um, and again, goes by the name Zaya. You see Michelle Obama in this interview affirming and saying that she's so proud of him and, uh, I think that's very sad because, again, when someone is truly confused and if someone is really experiencing gender dysphoria, the goal should be we're always called to love our neighbor. And that includes every single human being on the face of the planet, regardless of what it is that they're going through. However, 1 Corinthians 13 says that love always protects so the true definition of love does not mean that I have to affirm your ideology. It means that if you're confused, my love for you should compel me to speak truth to you. Love does not mean affirming your confusion, applauding it, and right. then saying that your confusion is good or, or even going so far as to say that the lie that you believe is now truth. And that's essentially what's happening. And it's not just with Michelle Obama affirming Zaya. This is happening across the board. And as we'll talk about maybe later on, we see the Equality Act. We see this actually happening even in legislation, which is very problematic because when it happens at the federal level, it also impacts those within the faith community or those with, if I should be so bold as to say, with downright common sense. When you see a man, you know that you see a man, even if he has lip gloss on and is wearing high heels, you still know that's a man, regardless of what it is that they say. And so I should not have to be forced to affirm your confusion or the lie simply because you want me to or because the law says I have to essentially lie. I, I believe that's very dangerous, and I don't see how that's beneficial to children, the next generation, especially when you look at the long-term consequences, which, again, we'll save for a conversation about the Equality Act. But to me, that's very problematic. That is something that, again, with this interview between Zion and Michelle Obama, I think is very problematic, calling someone brave, saying, I'm so proud of you, and Michelle Obama goes on to say that. At, at her age or at his age, and even if Michelle Obama was much younger, she kept saying that, you know, it's important that we try on different versions of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that whole idea of trying on different versions, and I'm thinking, what does that even mean to keep trying on different versions of ourselves? 
Um, I mean, you know, I am just so proud of you, you know, being just an amazing role model and embracing your truth, right? Um, you're, you're, you're already doing this. So maybe this is for some other young people that are listening. Um, I feel but let me just say, it, it does take time to know what your self is, you know, for young people. So my first piece of advice is be patient with yourself. You know, number right. one, um, you know, at your age or in the teenage years and probably through your 20s, you're going to be experimenting right. with so many versions of yourself, right? All young people are trying on different versions, different voices. They're, they're learning more about their intellect. They're learning about what they love, what they're good at, what they like. This is the period right. of exploration. Right. And sometimes we put too much pressure on teenagers to know who you, you're going to be. Like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Right. That's what I write. It was a question that I hated. It's like, how am I supposed to? I'm 13. I'm 12. You're not supposed to know yet. Um, your right. job now as a teenager is not to have it all figured out, but to give yourself self space and time to learn and grow. So that means you want to try a lot of things on. And my question then would be to her, to Michelle Obama, when's the last time that she tried on being a man? I bet she didn't. I guarantee she has not tried being a man. I doubt uh, former President Obama tried being a woman. This whole notion that you try on these things, that doesn't make any sense. Now, it's one thing if someone were to say, hey, you know, what's important when you're trying to find your career to try on different hats that makes sense but try on different versions of ourselves as if who we are our identity is not important if, as if our identity is not unique and if our identity specifically our sexual identity is not governed by god it's governed by god and it's specific god is a, a god of specificity so when he made us male or female, that was not a mistake. And the whole transgender ideology asserts that God made a mistake and he put us in the wrong body. And I will never affirm that. And Dwayne Wade, for those who don't know, probably obviously know, but Dwayne Wade is a you know famous NBA basketball player, um, played for famously the, the Miami Heat and I think for a spurt there for the, the Cleveland Cavaliers maybe. But, you know, he's he's part of the Hollywood culture that we're talking about. He's married to um, Gabrielle Union, who is, you know, a very notable actress, you know, in the Hollywood entertainment industry. And, you know, we've we seen Wayne Way. I think he's on the Ellen show and he's on some other outlets and he was affirming his son, you know, in this um, so-called transition. First of all, I just... I think it's what every, you know, every parent should be is what you're being right now, which is unconditionally loving your child and supporting you. your child in whoever they are. I mean, that's, there are so many parents that are just, oh, you're not going the way I imagined or wanted you to be and freak out. And you're so loving and supportive of Zaya and, and what a special child she is. Yes, she is. She is. I want to ask you this, Janique, that, you know, I was talking to a friend today and this ties into what we're talking about that and they're talking about their, their daughter that's in high school. And one of the first things that, that people like to, I guess what she's telling me, these kids ask other kids 
is are you gay? Are you straight? Are you bi? This is the first conversation that these kids want to have about this lowest common denominator about a choice. And they want to identify their choice. And I want to say this is, is that there, there, there seems to be a, a disassociation with ourselves. Um, and we, uh, we want to dis dissociate our action with ourselves so that we might sanitize it. For example, a, a person will say, well, uh, I'm gay. All right. To, to sanitize it as if gay isn't an action, as, as if though it's not connected to an action. And so before we, if we were to probe that deeper, okay, what does it mean to be gay? Then we might have some more discovery there. We'll say what well, means that like maybe I fornicate with other men. Okay, well, oh, now we're getting to the action. So let's analyze the action and see if that's really compatible with, with, with what we are called to be. But that's my point about this, this young girl in Dwayne Wade and in the Hollywood culture. What do you see in, in this Hollywood culture versus holiness? That they, they they seem to be so obsessed about normalizing and sanitizing unholy behavior. Mm -hmm. Well, I think a couple of things. One would be that God is not, when we talk about holiness, there's a great book by Christopher Yuan. And one of the whole concepts is that God is not concerned or, or the focus or the goal is not heterosexuality. Whereas most people would think that's the answer. What God is most concerned with is holy sexuality. So, and there is a significant difference because you can be heterosexual and be involved in fornication. You, should, you can be a pornographer, you can be an adulterer. So just because you're heterosexual does not mean that you're automatically walking in holiness. Just as when you are engaging in those behaviors, there is no way that we can align that and say that we're walking in holiness at all. But when we look at this whole issue and we're Hollywood, Hollywood's goal is not about pleasing God. I mean, the goal of Hollywood ultimately is to often plead or please our sexual desires. Hmm. It, it is, it's the whole pursuit often is about sexuality, sexual pleasure, pleasure, and so-called happiness. Whereas holiness, even the term holy, it actually means to be set apart for God and to be set apart for his purposes for us. So that means sometimes that there will be sacrifice. So a lot of times, you know, whenever I'm, I'm speaking at apologetic conferences on this issue, you know, people will say, yeah, but doesn't God want us to be happy? I'm like, no, he actually wants us to be holy. And there is a difference. <laughs> but if, again, you know, I mean, sadly, I think most people have been conditioned to think that God wants us to be happy. And that's very, that's, a, again, a, a somewhat dangerous ideology if you think that the whole purpose is always about happiness, because if that's the case, you can justify anything. Think about it. You can justify any behavior underneath the idea. Yeah, but I just want to be happy. And God wants me to be happy. But holiness is on a whole other level. And that's what we're ultimately called to do. Now, that being said, when we think of this whole push in Hollywood promoting this whole uh, the whole notion of the trans, the whole LGBTQ, in fact, even when you think about that for a moment, when you think of the different initials, you know, at one point, there were around 30, 40 different so-called gender 
um, expressions. Now it's all the way upward of 100. So now when, in fact, I actually had a student ask me, yeah, but miss, how many genders are there? How many genders are there? I said, well, there's actually two. And he's like, oh, no, there isn't. And I said, well, what do you mean? He's like, miss, there's actually over a hundred. Now, some of the dating websites affirm that like Tender, I think has like 106. And then we have like Facebook, which at one time had at least about 100 to 105 different little little clicks that you could <laughs> that you could drop on the drop down box. You could click through any of those to try and define who you ultimately are. But you see, in the end, because God is a God of specificity, do you think that God knows how many gender, so-called genders there are? Of course he does. And it's very clear in the Bible, everything goes back to Genesis. Genesis chapter one, it says, in the image of God, he created them male and female. It doesn't say male and female plus male, female, and it's male and female. That's it. God knows exactly how many genders or actually how many sexes there are. It is the world that has tried to even divorce sex and gender from one another when they are together. But it's very sad that we actually have children today who are learning this. And that's the problem. This is what they're learning in school, that there's over a hundred different expressions of gender. Yeah. That is very problematic, and that's what we're seeing in film today. And the problem with that is in every single show, I can't think of one show right now that does not have at least one, if not more than one, LGBTQ couple. And I'm very disappointed at a lot of the shows because now what they're doing is if there's going to be a sex scene, the sex scene or the romance is going to happen generally between the lgbtq couple and everyone else is affirming it yeah so what is that teaching the next generation that's looking on that anything that that they're learning then to affirm that because you'll see in the script in the dialogue the one person that does not agree with it you see how they're handled you see they're in fact i believe that hollywood is our nation right now it's our nation it's actually our world greatest apologists right now they're telling the greatest stories and they're pushing their ideas and that's why we as the church need to use our talents and our giftings to also give an apologetic of truth that's correct and i like everything that you said and and then let's transition to a moment um about the new executive branch um led by joe biden and kamala harris it seems to be the case that if 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 President Barack Obama was properly called the first gay president in the sense that all the things he did to advance their cause, it seems to be the case that Joe Biden seems to be destined or intent, uh, definitely intends to be properly called the first transgender president. At least in the first 30, 90 days of his presidency, um, he's done things such as create a, a the proclamation they called transsexual day of visibility, whatever that is. Um, he has the, uh, he's appointed a transgender person. Um, I don't know what their original name was, but they go by Rachel Levine now as a, a, a assistant health secretary. 
um, that he he overturned when President Trump was in office. He made it sure that people who were serving in the military could not get some sort of transgender surgery. And, and so there was a restriction there. But Biden has come in. He's overturned that what's called a transgender excuse, excuse, exclusion policy. And you talked a minute ago about the um, the Equality Act, all these things going on. What's going on? Uh-huh. Well, the Equality Act, most people think that sounds great. But before I actually get into it, I just want to challenge anyone that watches this. I want us to think about just the even the idea or the concept that words matter. And sometimes we hear something that sounds great and we automatically jump on that bandwagon without really stopping to evaluate, well, really, what is being said? And it kind of reminds me of Karl Marx, who said, a nation of non-thinkers is easily led. And that's where we are today, that people just hear things or they see tweets or a lot of social media now is, is where a lot of people, they get their news from social media and they get their ideas from social media. Just like when it came to that, when we were just talking about with uh, Michelle Obama and Zion, the young man. Michelle Obama kept saying, it's so important that you speak your truth. Well, that whole idea of truth and your truth and my truth, that is all over social media, even using that kind of a verbiage saying my truth, your truth. That's what we also see on television is my truth and your truth. But just that whole concept is false. It sounds great to say my truth and your truth. But what corresponds to reality is the truth. It's not yeah. my truth, your truth, our truth, their truth. There's only one truth. Yeah. And it's our job to come into alignment with that, that being said. Now, with the Equality Act, this is something that I hope every single person that is watching this does their due diligence. Please don't take our word for it. Please do your homework. And don't just do your homework. I believe that you also need to take action against it and actually call your senators about it. Now, let's actually talk about what it actually does. And in my opinion, who is actually going to lose out or suffer because ideas have consequences. So when you think about the Equality Act, again, it sounds great. But what it would do is it would take a just and necessary law. When you think of the 1964, the Civil Rights Act. Now, what did it do? The Civil Rights Act of 1964 was necessary because it banned discrimination on the basis of race or ethnicity. It also included religion, national origin, color. So again, that was necessary. But now what the Equality Act is going to do is interject sex into that and redefine sex to also include sexual orientation and gender identity everywhere where race is protected. Now it was necessary in 1964, that is not necessary today to now add sexual orientation and gender identity. But here's what it will also do. It will also expand the number of institutions, which at that time it included institutions such as public accommodations, such as gas stations or, or even restaurants. Well, now that it has been expanded to include or will include everything from possibly hospitals uh, to think about any, any place where there are public goods or services that are offered. 
But the problem is it could even include houses of worship and possibly even private schools. But there is another aspect to this that I think is also very problematic. It does exempt itself from the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, which means that when it when let's say that we're talking about um, a surgery, let's say that we have a doctor who does not believe he believes it's against his conscience to do a double mastectomy on a girl who is 16 years old because he believes that she has healthy breast tissue. It isn't cancerous. And he's now is being basically forced to cut them off because she identifies as a boy. Well, if he feels that's morally wrong and ethically wrong, he should be able to say, you know what, because of my conscience or because of my faith, I don't agree with that. And unfortunately, it will not allow that religious freedom or even conscience protection. And so again, to me, that's very problematic. Um, I mean, think about the ramifications of that, even from a counselor perspective. There are an awful lot of counselors who are Christian counselors. And even underneath the Equality Act, if you are a Christian counselor and a, a student or someone that you're counseling comes to you and says, listen, I identify as a Christian, but I also have these feelings of same sex or I actually feel like I'm perhaps in the wrong body. And I want to honor God. Can you please help me? Now, a friend of mine is actually a counselor down in South Florida. His name is Robert Otto. And as a counselor, he's actually going through a court case now with regards to this, where he actually said, you know what, wait a minute, I should be able to counsel that patient. If they're coming to me saying, listen, I want to honor God, help me. I do not want to have these feelings. Please help me. He cannot even counsel them according to the Holy Scriptures without so-called getting in trouble with the law. They would say that that is some form of discrimination against him. So that's why, to me, this is very problematic, not to mention even at the school level, because it, it just it's almost like a ripple effect. It yeah. just goes on and on. You know, I, I just talked about more the aspect of the medical perspective, but it also hurts women hurts women and especially if they're in, for example, shelters, which is a considered a public accommodation. If they're in a shelter, which there actually have been cases like that where women have been battered, now they would be forced to open those that show that homeless shelter up. And if a, a man who identifies as a woman comes in there, he might be sharing space with a woman three feet away. That is problematic, not to mention, of course, when we're dealing with what about when we're dealing with public accommodations such as bathrooms, you see this, when it talks about redefining sex to include sexual orientation and gender identity, yeah. it also is going to impact the public restrooms and gyms, which then means you have to allow those spaces open to anyone who identifies as that sex. And that to me is harmful to women. That makes women who are already vulnerable it actually says, we do not respect you. We do not respect your safety or your privacy. And the last area, which I think is actually most important is with regards to children. Children are the ones who almost always lose out when we prioritize and privilege feelings over facts. 
when we prioritize and privilege feelings and identity over biological facts and reality. Now, when we actually then talk about children, that means that they're going to be taught this as young as kindergarten is essentially what they could see, but it also impacts children at the medical level. And it also is an assault against parental rights because oftentimes the parents cannot opt out of that education. And even when it comes to surgery or even medical treatment. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, one of the things in terms of treatment, and to me, again, this is very problematic, but I think that we have to be clear. I want those to understand, anyone who's, who's watching this, I really want them to understand the impact that this can actually have. Now, most people don't realize that when it comes to gender dysphoria and confusion, 80 to 95% of children with gender dysphoria no longer feel distressed by their bodies after puberty. If the medical community would just wait before they do any surgeries, before they give them medications, if they would just wait, 80 to 95% of them no longer feel that they are out of touch with their bodies. If they would just give them that time. But underneath the Equality Act and that whole ideology, there's a push that is sad because it's basically politicizing medicine as well as education. But what we would see is first a social transition for younger children as young as four years old. Those who identify or have that gender confusion or dysphoria, social transition as young as four years old. Puberty blockers would be given as young as nine years old, cross-sex hormones, as young as between 14 and 16, and then the full surgery as young as 18 and sometimes even younger than that. So now what we're doing then is we're going to amputate perfectly normal and healthy body parts because of a belief, because of an ideology, because of feelings. That's very problematic because these are decisions that you can't reverse. Once you amputate those body parts, and it's sad because there are some people who have gone through the surgery, they've transitioned and then detransitioned back, but it isn't ever really the same because once you cut that, those body parts off, they don't grow back. <laughs> no, I mean, for real, I mean, they do yeah. not grow back. Yeah. And yeah. now they have permanently altered their bodies. They're underneath the attack of all these now hormones and all those medications. Well, what are we doing to children simply based off of an idea? We're affirming a lie and we're going to alter their body rather than looking to see who did God make them to be. And rather than asking the questions, well, what is it that makes you feel like you are a boy or a girl? Or why do you feel that way? And then trying to address those specific issues. But the last thing is, is that even sometimes from a parental rights perspective, Often parents cannot opt out and, and some would even go so far as to say that when it comes to those surgeries and when it comes even to education, it's the state. When kids are at school, it's the state that owns the children. And that, again, is very problematic. Even in the American Journal of Bioethics, there was an article that was actually talking about that, and they were arguing that the state should overrule the parents of gender dysphoric children who do not consent to giving them puberty blocking drugs. Yeah. Again, that's overriding 
parental rights and parental consent. And we've seen fathers, right, um, who's been in been in disputes with the mother, or I don't know if it's been vice versa, but I remember a couple of cases, at least one in Texas, one in Canada uh, recently, where the father just didn't, didn't have any rights, whatever, wanted to protect um, his child from these machinations of the mother wanting to go along with their their child's imagination or coercing um, evangelization that they received at school or from Hollywood that convinced them that they weren't who God created them to be. And the father, you know, taking these, these mothers to court and the judge, as you said, sided with the mother because in, in these cases, the state had felt they had the authority to determine what this, that this child, it was not who God created them to be. And you mentioned something about um, what people can do, right? Action, like what, in as far as contacting their legislator, what are I some highly, of those Yes, what you need to do is contact your senator. Contact your senator and tell them that you do not agree with the Equality Act and you want them to vote against making the Equality Act law. Tell them you do not agree with it. That's very clear. That's all you have to do is contact your senator and let them know you do not agree. You are one of their constituents and you do not agree with the Equality Act. And you are asking them to vote against signing it into law. I think that's critically important. Listen, a lot of people will complain about things that are going on in the culture. Mm -hmm. But we the people have, in my opinion, we have a moral, we have an obligation to our posterity. And that's the next generation. Because who was going to stand up and defend these kids? No one, if it's not us. And we have an opportunity. We live in the greatest country in the world where we have. We're underneath a republic. And we the people have the opportunity to influence public policy. And we sit back and don't do anything except complain. And when we have an opportunity, we need to use that opportunity and use it for good because ultimately government should restrain evil, not promote it. Right. So All that's right. up to us. Yep. And it is a duty in the commandment itself to love your, your mother and your, your father so that your days in heaven may be blessed. And sometimes we think it at that mother and the father very narrowly as a nuclear family, but we're talking about the entire community mm -hmm. and our responsibility to love one another as, um, as we love ourselves. And so that, that responsibility in, in this country, at least not other countries, all, all countries have this opportunity, but opportunity to participate in promoting a common good and God's will through our vote is, is what we have. And we should use it as long as we can, but not just wait until election day to exercise that, that, that right to participate in government, but contact your senators, do what you can, yes. your representatives yes. to exercise. Cause we may not always have that opportunity, that opportunity to participate no. in government. But here's but the other thing, real thing, uh, real quick, David, is I think a lot of people think it, it would never happen to them. Well, what about that mom? It's a parents in Ohio. They lost custody of their 17 year old daughter because they declined to put her on testosterone supplements. I guarantee they never thought that they would lose custody of their daughter because simply they declined to put her on medication. And this is not the only one. There are so many of these that are coming out of, I mean, right. they're coming out left and right. right. But the reality is, is you don't care about it in the media because most people don't want, most of the time the media 
is trying to control the narrative, but the truth is out there. But the reality is, is you may not think it would happen, but I guarantee those parents in Ohio never thought they would lose custody of their daughter, but they did. And if we don't do something about it, if we don't stand up for righteousness, for holiness, we know that the other side is standing up for their sexual sin and to promote this ideology. Well, we have to counter the culture. We have to be the salt and light that we're called to be, as we see in, in Matthew chapter five, we're that salt and light. And we have an opportunity to do good. And I'm always reminded of like James 4, 17, where it says, he who knows the good thing to do and doesn't do it to him, it's sin. So we have an opportunity to do the right thing. And we need to, because children are hanging in the balance and literally they're hanging in the balance of making life altering decisions that will mutilate their bodies. So this is not a joke. This is not, oh, this is where it could go years from now. Oh no, this is happening right now. And parents are losing custody of their kids and children are making dangerous decisions about their bodies and medical professionals can't say no. Parents can't opt out half the time and churches are also going to lose some of their freedoms if we don't do something. Yep. Because truth has been lost, like you said. Relativism seems to be at a reign. And, and ultimately, truth is not a thing. It's not an object. Truth is a person, a person named Jesus Christ, who is the truth, who, who came and shed with us the light. And, and, and of course, the world continues. It desires darkness. It desires chaos. But our responsibility through every, whatever means be possible to bring the peace of Christ on earth. Amen. Well, thank you for watching Hollywood versus Holiness with David and Shanique. And hey, if you have any any comments or questions, please put them in the comment box. And if there's any movies or songs or films that you want us to possibly do a review on or, or talk about, please also make sure that you put that in the comment box and we'll be more than happy to address it. But thank you so much for watching and join us again.